Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Good morning, everyone. It is such an honor and a blessing to be with you guys today. I get to speak and continue on in our series of Cross-Shaped Life. Um, and today, I really want to look at what does it mean to follow Jesus. Um, We talk about that a lot and we say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but what does that really look like? Um, And before we start, if you know me, I am the student ministries pastor here at Shoreline Community Church. And our students will tell you that almost every week we play games before I speak. So I felt it was only appropriate that I make y'all play a game with me. But don't worry, I'm not gonna make you play Noodle War or Balloon Stomp or even Musical Chairs, although I do firmly believe if we played Noodle War, Marlon Newhouse would beat all of us because he has beaten the students time and time again. So just saying. Today we are gonna play a game very briefly called Fill in the Blank, okay? It's gonna be really easy. I'm gonna say three statements or sentences and there's going to be a blank at the end. And I want to see if you guys can guess what the word is at the end of the sentence. So feel free to yell it out if you think you know what it is. So the first one, they're really easy, I promise. Be true to yourself. Look, see, you guys are great. I knew you could do this. Do what makes you happy, feel good. I'll take either of those answers. Um, third, follow your Heart. Okay, good job. See, I wanted to start with these statements because they are so popular in our culture today. If you have watched a movie like a Disney movie or a Marvel movie or listened to any music in the past few years or even maybe watched TV shows, these are messages we hear time and time again in our culture today. It's very self focused. We hear, be true to yourself, follow your heart. Do what makes you happy, right? And what I want to talk about today is how the life that Jesus calls us to, the life following him, a lot of times is the opposite of those messages, right? It's the opposite of what we think about because our life is not meant to be self-focused. So today, let's focus on the life that Jesus calls us to um, and how really it's not meant to be about us. It's not meant to be about what the world or culture would have us believe, which is that it's all about ourselves. Um, so to do that, we're going to unpack a couple of scriptures. The two main ones we're going to look at today are Luke 9, 23 through 25, and then we're going to look at Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Um, and I picked both of these scriptures because I think they really unpack the idea um, of what following Jesus really looks like in our lives and what it should look like for us. And I think that they acknowledge what Jesus really wants us to know and what he's trying to tell us, which is that following me is going to be one of the hardest things you will ever do, but it will be unimaginably worth it, right? So let's start with Luke 9, 23 through 25, which says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, and sorry, and whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit their very self? 
Now, I think the question we have to ask ourselves when reading this is, what does it truly mean to follow Jesus, right? Like, a lot of times we say, I'm a follower of Jesus, or I'm a person of faith, but what does that really mean? And if we're out in the world today, do we know how to recognize someone who is following Jesus? Are there actions, are there words that are different, right? Um, what does a true follower of Jesus look like today? Now, for a second, I want to call out what a statement Jesus makes in this passage as he's talking. Because when Jesus is talking about crosses, he isn't talking, and Pastor Dwayne addressed this beautifully last week, he isn't talking about the beautiful jewelry we see today, or maybe the cross-stitched picture that your grandma hung on her wall in her living room. Like, he is talking about the rugged wooden cross of the Roman Empire, um, which was used as an execution device for some of the worst offenders who went against Roman authority of that day. So his audience, we have to take that into context when he says this, right? Because he's, he's talking to new followers after him. And so the audience, when he's talking about taking up your cross, what the audience would have heard is this. Anyone who wants to be my follower must deny themselves and take up their cross. What they're hearing is anyone who wants to be my follower must carry a 200 plus pound execution device on their back way farther than you are ever gonna wanna go. And when you get where you're, you're going to wanna go, you will be mocked, stripped, whipped, and spit on. And then you'll be stripped again you will have nails driven through your hands and your feet where you will hang to die. Now, with a marketing statement like that, who of us would not sign up, right? Like, let's be honest. I would argue that most of us today would say no. Today, while it's highly unlikely that we will be asked to carry a literal cross, carrying our cross isn't a one-time action. It is a daily choice that we make, and it can be difficult. So what I want us to look at today, and I think is really important, is how Jesus is straight up honest when he talks about what this is going to require. Because what Jesus is telling us is this isn't going to be sunshine and rainbows. This isn't going to be a walk in the park. And he wants us to know up front, I love that he is not a bait-and-switch salesman. Like, he doesn't promise that it's going to be easy. But Jesus wants us to know what we're getting into up front. So we make that choice out of love and devotion and not because we're being schemed. So when Jesus says following him will require us to deny ourselves and take up our cross, I think there are three things he wants us to know. And the first one is this. It's going to be hard. See, crosses are heavy. And carrying them is hard work. Carrying our cross, like I said, isn't a one-time action. It's something we choose daily. And it's going to be difficult. Right? See, this means we have to make a daily practice of doing the hard things. It means that we need to do what God calls us to do, even when it's not convenient or easy for us. Again, that goes against culture. See, let's be honest. As a culture and society, we love the comfortable 
Who of us does not love to pick up our, like get our groceries at pickup or like move ahead in the HOV lane? Because we like what's easy. We like it quick, we like efficient, we like what's easy. But in my experience, the hard thing is usually the right thing. And really, what does that look like for us? What does it mean to do the hard thing? It means deep diving into the actions we take every single day. If we are doing the hard thing that God is asking us to do, are we taking the easy way out? Or are we following him and denying ourselves? See, self-denial isn't a one-time action. Self-denial is putting others first daily. It's an entirely new way of life. And following Jesus will require us to do things that we otherwise might have avoided. It could look like going to the people that you are not comfortable interacting with, those you have overlooked, those we have forgotten, or maybe, if we're honest, those that we have straight up avoided. Why? Because Jesus went to everybody, and the gospel is for everyone. Jesus went to the rich and the poor. He went to the sinner and the religious elite. He went to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He went to the prostitutes and the tax collectors. He went to everyone. And we are called to do the same thing. We are called to do the things that may not make sense out in the world, that they may say is crazy or what are you doing? And we are called to do it out of love and devotion to God because that's what Jesus did. See, when I've spoken to our students about this, we talk about decisions. I tell the students all the time, okay, what choices are we making? How do we change our choices? What does that look like? And what I've talked about is what does a hard choice look like today? It may be being intentional to wake up early and read your Bible instead of sleeping in. Or it could be standing up for your faith in whatever arena your life is in right now, whether that's school or work, or for some of us within our own family, where it's not celebrated, where it may not be the most accepted thing. It could also be as simple as turning off the TV and tuning into the Word of God, right? And making space for Him to meet us. See, we have to be willing to do the hard thing to choose differently so that our life is lived differently. But see, Jesus follows this with a second truth, all right? And it's this, we will suffer. I know I'm, I'm giving you guys a really happy sermon today, right? Like, I actually told my husband as a joke, I said, I think I'm like the hard sermon girl, because at Christmas I talked about peace, and then I pretty much said peace is not the absence of disruption, so expect difficulty, so here we are again. Um, but <laughs> we will suffer. The verse right before the passage we read in Luke 9, Luke 9.22 says, and he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. See, in this section of scripture, Jesus is clearly saying, you, I will suffer, I will be rejected by my own people. And what we can expect as followers of him, if we are following him, is we expect the same thing. And if we aren't expecting that same thing, are we paying attention? Are we paying attention to the one who said it? 
Because if not, we need to check our hearts and open our ears. See, when we start taking our faith seriously, people will notice. And that means that they will say things and they may not agree and it may not always be great. In fact, if you're me, at one of the places I previously worked, when an entire group of people finds out that you are a Christian, you will have entire groups of your own team say, I'm not gonna ride the elevator with you because you're a Christian. Or you'll have people say to me, I, can't, I just can't get behind you. Like you believe a book of fairy tales about this dude 2,000 years ago who was crucified and raised to life. How do you believe that? And when that happens, when we have those questions, when we, when we suffer that rejection or we feel that, even though it's just a comment, how are we going to respond? How do we carry our cross? Will we keep carrying that cross or will we set it down to fit in with everyone else? And that's what we have to look at today. See, today we are hyper aware of the image we project out into the world. If you do not believe me, spend one minute on TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, and scroll through the plethora of filters that are available so that you can package the image you want to project into the world, right? Even the app Be Real, I'm gonna, this may step on some toes, I'm sorry. I do not believe all of the photos that we post on Be Real are actually real, authentic photos. We pose them or we want that perfect lighting. Why? Because we want that perfect reputation. We crave that recognition for ourselves because that is what the world has told us we should do. And what we have to understand is we desire that influence, right? We want to affirm ourselves because we desire to feel important, valued, worthy, and for many of us, it's a struggle to let that go. And the funny thing is, this conversation that we're having right here, we're having as adults, but our students experience this regularly every single day. And so I tell students, this isn't a student issue or a your young issue. This is a human problem because we struggle to find our identity. And so we look for it wherever we can get it when God is saying, find it in me. Look to me. I am here. See, when it comes to following Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, are we really following Jesus? Are we trying to cultivate a following for ourselves? Right? See, what Jesus asks of us goes against everything we're being told. Do what makes you happy. Follow your heart. Be true to yourself. Right? And our culture has become obsessed with this idea of consumerism and self-actualization. And instead, we need to do as Jesus did. Right? And we need to respond to people with extravagant generosity an others-oriented perspective. Because that, that mindset is where our infinite value of the human soul comes from, from the one who created it. See, what Jesus is asking us is, are you willing to deny yourself? How far are you willing to go for me? See, the great thing is Jesus never does something. He never asks us to do something that he himself is not first 
willing to model. And I love that because I think one of the best ways we learn is through modeling, right? Like I'm a new parent and I am reading all these books that talk about model for your kids, what you want them to learn. But God as our father does that exact thing through Jesus. And I think it's so important. So we're going to look at that in Philippians 2, 5 through 8 as it talks about Jesus himself being humbled unto death. It says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, we are called to emulate what Jesus modeled. If you follow something, you will look like the thing you are following. And what Jesus models here in this passage of scripture is Jesus has every opportunity, being both God and man, as God to save himself, to make himself high, to make himself recognized, to do all of these things, and yet he doesn't. Instead, it says he humbles himself to become a servant, even unto death. Right? He, out of devoted obedience and love for God, he submits himself to difficulty, to strain, to pain, so that he can fulfill the path that God has asked him to do. And we are asked to do that same thing. That is the path that Jesus walked. One of my favorite examples of enduring suffering in this life is the life of Corey Ten Boom. And I know we've talked about her time and time again. For those who don't know who she is, um, her family were Christians in Holland during World War II. And her family helped hide and save over 800 Jewish lives in that time. But when they were, when they were found, her sister and her were sent to a concentration camp where eventually her sister would die. And because they believed that Corey was the ringleader of this family and this idea, they threw her into solitary confinement where she was left by herself, but she was blessed that she was allowed to keep her Bible. And so daily, she would read verse by verse until the, through the Bible until she had read the entire word of God, and then she would start over. And after all this time, when asked, how did she survive this difficulty? How did she endure this suffering? This is what she had to say. She said, there is no pit so deep that Jesus is not deeper. See, I think sometimes it is easy when we go through difficulty to look at our lives and say, God, I can't. I can't. You ask too much. It's too hard. I can't. And what God is saying, you are absolutely right. You can't, but I can. Hold on. Sorry. And see what I've got for you. See who I have made you to be. See what I am creating and turning you into. Believe that there is more. Believe that I have more for you. Because like Corey said, there is no pit, no suffering so deep that Jesus is not deeper. And the thing we have to consider, and I keep saying this, is how far are we willing to go to follow Jesus? Are we willing to endure that path of pain and suffering, believing that it's gonna be worth it? Believing that life with him 
is better than anything we could have here. And the reason I ask this is because we have one more truth to go through, and it's probably our hardest one, and it is this. Our old selves won't make it out alive. I told you I'm having a really positive message today, right? Like, <laughs> that's the part of this passage we gloss over. At the end of verse 32, or verse 22, excuse me, in Luke, it says, and he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. See, again, crosses are used to kill people. Burying them is hard work. It is a labor. When we take up our crosses, Jesus will use those hard things, that suffering that we endure, that pain, for more, right? It'll be so that we can be made new in him and our old selves, those old things in our life that we never really needed, that's going to be put to death. See, as human beings, like I said, we spend so much time in this world searching for our identity, right? And we try to make our mark on the world, and we want to feel significant, and we do that a lot of times by, by going off of what the world says to us. When we need to remember the importance of looking at Jesus and saying, God, who do you say I am? Who did you make me to be? And this is important because cross-bearing, it requires complete surrender, it requires complete surrender of self and identity. And the struggle we as human beings face, if we're honest, is how do we surrender something that we don't feel secure in? And we don't feel secure because we look everywhere else. When Jesus says, I'm right here, I will tell you who you are. I have made you for more. Look to me. See, when we look to Jesus and we seek after him with everything, asking him, who do you say I am? Once we find that identity in him and we surround ourselves in community of people doing the same, like here at church, like in groups, we no longer have to rely on what that world says. We no longer are so reliant on the, the, the validation of others because we look to our community and we look to the Jesus that we follow and that means that our life will change, right? Like when we follow Jesus, it requires a change in our life. And that helps us secure our identity. See, for a lot of us, we are content right now to be near Jesus or Jesus adjacent, as I tell people. <laughs> and what I mean by that is we go to church and we sing our songs and we say our prayers and we do our different things. And then we step out those doors and we look no different than anyone else on the street. Right, Because we've done what we're supposed to do for the day. But if it gets uncomfortable out there, I don't know if I can do it. Right? And what, what we have to do is sit down and say, okay, am I willing to give up who I am, who I was, so Christ can tell me who we are today? Because when we commit to denying ourselves and taking up our crosses, that's when we move from being near to Jesus to being in relationship with him. That's when we move from being near to Jesus to being in the presence of God. Surrender, submission are all uncomfortable words we all do not like, but they are also words that Jesus used because they brought fulfillment through God himself. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be extremely difficult because it means turning away from the words and the actions and the things that make sense of this world and using our words and our actions to point directly back to him. It means that 
everything we get, any recognition, any validation, any attention that is focused solely on us, we turn and we send it back to the one who gave us life. And that's hard. I'm up here as pastor and I can tell you that's hard for me today. (laughs) But here's what it also means. It means learning to do life a new way. It means that those parts of us that are self-focused, that have taken root in our lives, we have to let them go. We have to let them die so that we can make room in our life to root into him. It means that those parts of us, and this is going to get real uncomfortable, that we've used to soothe our very soul or to find our identity in or even to feel better. I don't care what your thing is, fill in your own blank, whether that's Netflix, food, your internet search history. For me, it's control. Whatever it might be that has taken way more root in your life than it should, we have to let it die so that God can come in and fill it. And it's going to hurt, but we won't be enslaved to it anymore because God didn't call us to a life of slavery. And the thing is, we have to ask ourselves in this What are we worshiping? I tell our students, we all worship something, whether we like it or not. And if you don't know what your thing is, here's an easy way I tell the students to find out. What do you talk about? What do you devote most of your time to? What are you willing to sacrifice for to get? Because those, in my experience, are the ways that we worship. I'm willing to sacrifice for it. I'm willing to devote my time, attention, energy to it. And I'm willing to talk about it with others. If something is important to you, those are the things that happen. And so what we have to ask ourselves is, are we following Jesus or are we allowing other things in our life to take root and control and become our life? Why does this matter? This matters because in verse 24 of that Luke 9 passage, it says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. See, here's the bad news. I'm I'm just going to be really honest. No matter who you are, we are all going to die someday. There's not one person I know that has made it out of this life alive. I'm going to be honest. Sorry. But see, here's the good news. I promise I'm not going to leave you there. (laughs) When we put our life in Jesus, death doesn't have that final say. Because he, through his sacrificial death and his resurrection on the cross from the dead, has conquered death so that we can be raised to life with him as well. And that's why denying yourself, taking up your cross daily, it's a daily practice, and following him matters. Because in losing our life here for him and letting go of those things that were never going to satisfy us anyway, we save it. We save our life and we go with him. See, here's the truth. Even if you are unsure of this whole Jesus thing, right? And what you've heard here hasn't convinced you. That's okay. Instead of talking about spiritual wisdom in in Jesus's words, we're going to get practical, okay? And I talked about this briefly. We all have some goal in our life. All of us have something we are trying to achieve at some point. It can look very different for each person. It could be financial stability. It could be healthy relationships. It might even be cultivating a following online whatever it is, whatever your thing is, uh, we all know that the path to achieving our goals, that path to achieving what we want, that usually doesn't come from doing what's easy or convenient. Because if it was, everybody would do it, right? And so 
what we understand is achieving our goals and our dreams in our life takes effort and commitment. So no matter what your goal is, if it is to grow and mature your relationship with Jesus or something else, it's going to be hard. You're going to suffer for it, and your old self won't make it out alive. So if that's the case, how do we actually follow Jesus? How do we take those steps? How do we take what Jesus showed us and has withstood the test of time and apply it to our lives? Because it's one thing to know it here. It's an entirely different thing to put it out into practice here. And so I think there are three steps we have to take to really put this into practice in our life, and those should come up in just a sec. Step one, embrace the difficulty. See, we, I'm not going to sugarcoat it here. We are not going to say that we're going to hold hands and sing kumbaya, and it's going to be easy. It's going to be hard. But in my experience, if we expect it and we embrace it, we can begin to ask for help and root into relationship with God to make it better. Because it's in the hard parts in my experience that God has done my deepest work. And I say that because I have walked through five years of cancer treatment with my mom, which was one of the hardest moments in my life. And the thing that really helped root me in and lean into Jesus was women in this community and reading the word of God and rooting in to that because I knew difficult moments were going to come. And we have to be willing to do that same thing so that when we spend time with him, when we root into him, when we spend time in relationship with each other, when that difficult moment comes, we are prepared. And we can lean into the one who gave us life and say, God, even though this is hard and it's difficult and I'm not enjoying it, God, I trust you and I know that you led the, the way with the path that you walked, so may I do the same. Second, remember the why. At some point in our journey with Jesus and following him and doing things he asks us to do, things will feel like too much. You will feel afraid. You will feel overwhelmed. You will want to quit. Don't give up. And I say that as a person who has a petrifying fear of speaking in public. <laughs> and yet every time Pastor Dwayne and Steph have asked me, I have said, you know what? Okay, we will figure it out because God is bigger and I know why I'm doing what I'm doing because I believe God has called me that, to that. Now, that doesn't mean I don't freak out beforehand because let me tell you, this morning was exciting. But <laughs> what I mean is it's going to be easy to be tempted and to give up and to say, God, I can't do it. It's too much. I'm out. I can't. And God says, I've made you for more. Just hold on. There is more in you than what you see now. Give it to me and see what I will do. And that is what he is asking of us as followers of him. Hebrews 12, 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right throne of God, right hand of the throne of God. See, at any point, Jesus could have quit. He could have given up. He could have said, I'm out. It's too much. It's too painful. But the joy that Jesus focused on, the thing that kept him going, was saving your life and mine. Right? Let that fuel you. Jesus looked for the purpose beyond the pain. And we have to do the same. 
We have to say, God, there is purpose in this painful moment. It is difficult, it is hard, but you endured the cross and so can I. Finally, step three, don't be a hero. I hate to tell you all, but this is not a Disney or a Marvel movie as much as I wish it were, and we are not superheroes. This is real life, and we are not meant to do it alone. Jesus didn't walk his path to crucifixion alone. He had the disciples by him, he had the Holy Spirit, and he had his heavenly Father. And Jesus didn't, and I want to emphasize this so clearly, he did not hide his pain or his struggle or any of his emotions from those that were safe and closest to him. He pressed into them because they were trustworthy and they knew what his purpose was. Now granted, they didn't do it perfectly. Like he asked them to come with him to the Garden of Gethsemane and to comfort him. But he is truly God, but he is also human, right? And I love that because if God can be, if Jesus can be totally vulnerable, totally honest in his pain and his struggle, so can we in safe community. And that's what Shoreline is all about. That is why we are here. That is why the grow piece is a part of our mission statement. That is why if you are here today, you need to get connected in a group. So that when life hits you hard with whatever you're struggling with following Jesus, people come around you and love you and support you and walk that path with you because that's why I'm standing here today. Ah, sorry. So closing out, what is following Jesus like? In his words, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and lose their very soul? See, following Jesus isn't about doing what makes us happy or being true to ourself or following our hearts. It's about, God, what are you calling me to? What are the difficulties I'm facing and how can I lean and press them into you and do as you did? So I'm gonna pray and we're gonna have prayer teams come up and there are prayer walls on the side, but I want us to spend some time in reflection on these three points. How can we embrace the difficulty in our life? How can we remember the why when life, when the path of following Jesus is too much, too overwhelming? And how can we not be a hero? It could be as simple as asking for help. It could be as simple as asking for prayer. It can be as simple as signing up for a group. There are a variety of ways. But let's lean into the word of God and lean into Jesus and ask him what he would have us do. Thank you. Lord, may I decrease so that you will increase. Amen. You know, one of the things that we see in scripture that's hard for us to do, you know, as Tiffany talked about, and, and again, Pastor Tiffany, I know she's praying and having a wonderful God moment. Um, such a clear message, a tough message. Because this is the obstacle, this is the point where people back away. They, they loved it when Jesus did a miracle of walking on water. They loved it when they had bread and he did all these wonderful things at the celebrations. But when he said, if you want to follow me, if you want to be like me, you got to deny yourself. You got you to die to yourself. This is the part and a, and, a, and a big part of that in dying is confession. Let me encourage you, whether it's today, whether it's now, whatever, the things that are in your heart that are there, 
there's this thing called confession. Go to somebody that you trust, someone that you know they've got your back there with you, and confess that to them and say, would you walk with me in this? I'm trusting you not to share this on social media. I'm trusting you not to bring this up in a prayer circle. I'm trusting you to keep this to us. And just, con- just, just con- confess that. Bring light to it and allow Jesus to be alive and to be real in your life. This is part of that hard preparation. This is part of that life to the full that, that Jesus talked about. That Whether it's here in this place before you leave today or whether it's maybe you need to go somewhere and say, hey, can we grab coffee this week? Can we grab breakfast? Can we get to get together? Allow the Lord to do this work. He's unleashing something. He's preparing us. He's teaching us in this Lent season. Don't miss out on what God's doing in your life. Don't miss out on what he would do in your family. Let go of it. Let go of that fear. Let go of the insecurity. How many of yours is like, like mine? It's insecurity. That's the one I write down. I circle, Lord, help me in this area that I wouldn't be thinking about myself, but I'd be thinking about you. Respond in that way. Amen, amen. I'm, I'm so thankful Pastor Tiffany was, was responsive. Pastor Tiffany, you have such a gift, such a gift. And it stirs my heart because I know that's not always been spoken over your life. And Stephanie and I were, were sitting on the front row just going, we are so proud of what God's doing in your life and what he's doing and the ways that he's moving through our students. So, amen. Can we just pray as, as we wrap up today? I'd like for Pastor Tiffany, would you just come here center? I, Jesus is the center, but we're going to put you here. And I'd like for any youth leader, any parent, anybody, can we just circle her? Because our students are under attack, and those that serve them, <laughs> they're, they're standing in the gap. This, this couple, Pastor Tiffany and Daniel, they stand in the gap for our students. So can we surround them? Can we say that we are with you? So any youth leaders, anybody, if you just want to surround Let's just pray for them. Students, if you want to come and pray for, your, pray for your pastor today, just come on down and let's surround her, youth leaders. Father, we thank you for Pastor Tiffany and for her yes to you. And Father, we know that when we stand in the gap, we, we experience that weight, we experience that. But Father, we pray that, that the strength and the power of Jesus Christ would rise up within her, the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, in those moments when there would be voice of condemnation, voices from the past, voices that would try to come in, and Lord, to discourage her, Lord, to discourage Daniel, Lord, Father, we speak against that in the name of Jesus, that your voice would reign, Lord, that your spirit would be alive in her to strengthen her, Lord, to strengthen their family, to strengthen Eden, Lord, this precious baby that you've entrusted them with. Father, continue, Lord, may, may it be your boldness, your power, your strength, your peace. God, I pray for every youth worker, Lord, every youth volunteer, Lord, every youth leader. God, that you would empower them, that they would not grow weary in well-doing. But God, that they would surround her, Lord, they would trust her. And Lord, they would follow her as she follows Jesus. Bless our students. God, let there be a muddy upporting of your spirit to strengthen them, to empower them, to give them boldness, Lord, to speak the love of Christ to their friends, to their teachers, to all that are around them. And God, we thank you for what you're doing. And God, we thank you for what you're about to do as we deny ourselves and follow you. Lord, we thank you for this moment today, and we thank you for the future that we are walking into, trusting you in your name, in your name, Jesus. And everyone said together, amen, 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 amen. We love you, Pastor Tiffany. We love you, Daniel. And we love you, Eden, wherever you are.
in the name of Jesus. So, amen. Thank you for coming today. Again, don't let this be a moment that's gone. Talk to somebody. Share about it. Process this. Walk this through. This is our benediction as we say goodbye today. But as we do this, the prayer team is still here. If you want to pray with somebody, hang out and do that. There's still coffee in the lobby, but connect with somebody before you leave today. But this is our benediction. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. Amen. We love you all. God bless. God bless.